Welcome to Find Your Niche, a career podcast offering advice that you can implement today, as well as career tips that will set you on a career path and help you to find your niche. I'm Lori Cole, certified career coach and job search advisor with iHire. iHire connects you to industry-specific jobs in over 57 talent communities. Find your niche today on iHire. In this episode, we'll talk about layoffs and what you should do if you suddenly find yourself without a job. We'll also speak with Dr. Jeffrey Sassmanhausen, a board-certified dermatologist in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and owner of Three Rivers Dermatology and Windy Ridge Skin Care Center. Here are the latest trends, topics, and tips that will help you in your job search. Unfortunately, layoffs are becoming more and more common in this sluggish economy. If you're one of the many people affected by these cuts, it's important to take a step back and just breathe. I totally understand how you're feeling. I have been there too. My first job after school was at a stockbroker firm, and four months in, the company had layoffs. I was last in and first out, but I didn't let that get me down. I called the recruiter who had placed me there, and within a week, I was working at their competitor down the street. But I think that being young and naive worked in my favor that time. I realized that as you get older, this can be so much more overwhelming. There are so many other things to think about with car payments and house payments and kids going to school and kids going to daycare, you have more at stake. When you get laid off, there is a sense of job loss grief, and it can be overwhelming. Job loss grief is a real thing, so you have to take your time to process the emotions around that grief. Try to stay in a positive mindset. Remember that being laid off is not a reflection on you or your skill set. It's a reflection of your former company's lack of planning. You are smart and capable and you can find a new job or even change careers at this point. If you're in a negative headspace, find something that will lift your spirits and put you in a better emotional or mental place. It's critical to take this time to focus on yourself and your overall well-being. Your mental health comes first. So when you start your job search, you're focused and composed. Second, start an accomplishments list. This will help you understand your current skills and capabilities and illuminate your success. This can really help you to stay more calm with all of those thoughts racing through your head about the job search process. Third, know what you want. Get some career clarity using our downloadable career clarity workbook. And you can find that in the resource center at iHire. Do you want to work for a big company or a small company? Do you want to stay in the same role or move to a different career? Write down exactly what you want and what's important to you on your next move. Fourth, define your values. Defining your values isn't about what you want. It's about what you need to feel successful in a new job. If that only thing that's important to you is having a paycheck or working nine to five, then 
any job might do. But in all the people I've helped through this process, they usually identify values such as, I need to feel like I'm making an impact. I need to feel like I'm helping people. I need to feel challenged or I need to feel valued. And lastly, don't be afraid to reach out for help. Reach out to family and friends and mentors or even a career advisor here at iHire. They can offer you some valuable advice and support during this time. With the right mindset and approach, you will be back on your feet in no time. Let's hear from today's featured guests who has found their niche. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Sassmanhausen. We really appreciate you taking the time from your busy schedule to be here on our Find Your Niche podcast. Well, thank you for having me. And how did you get started in the dermatology field? Is this something that you always wanted to do? Or, I mean, what were your thoughts when you were growing up? Like, I want to be a fireman. Did you say, I want to be a dermatologist? No, absolutely not. I started out wanting to be a veterinarian. And Growing up, uh, did a lot of shadowing with vets, uh, enjoyed doing that. My uncle is a veterinarian. So when I was a little bit older, I spent a week with him. And uh, at the end of that week, he looked at me and he said, if you don't absolutely love animals and you want to do this with a passion, go be a regular doctor. And I said, okay. And at that point, I switched. Now I was going to be a physician. Um when I started med school, I was going to be a surgeon. I wanted to be a trauma surgeon. At the time, a lot of the trauma um, uh, television shows were on. I thought that was going to be awesome until I did surgery for the very first time and I hated it. Um, <laughs> at that point, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, so I sort of just went into general internal medicine. Um, in my last semester of med school, I did a rotation in dermatology and I fell in love. I found out that it is more than warts and acne. Um, you absolutely can make ch uh, great changes in people's lives um, and you can save lives. Uh, it, it, and that's at that point, I focused on being a dermatologist. So it took you to the till the last year of school for you to really find your passion. That's correct. Yes. And then what did you have to do at that point? Did you have to do additional schooling or how do you flip that switch? So at that point, you need to get a residency program. Um, and I had already matched. So you, it's a very involved process, but I already had matched. I was is into the internal medicine program at, at Indiana University. Um, and at the same time, my wife was working at Eli Lilly. So I was, I needed to allow her to get her career established before I could move anywhere else. So I did actually ended up doing three years of internal medicine um, before I was able to uh, interview around the country to get a residency spot. So I actually did two residency programs, which nowadays is very unusual, but at, when I did it, it was a little bit more common, especially for dermatology. So how many years in all did you do school and residency? So, you know, you did your high school, four years of college, four years of uh, med school, and then I did six years of residency before I got out on my own. Wow. 
And then did you come straight to Fort Wayne and start your own practice or did you go in with someone else? Uh, I started with another office um, and at two years, there was just a lot of conflict uh, between the providers and I went out on my own. And so I've been on my own for now 21 years. I don't know that I've ever seen a doctor's office that didn't have a lot of conflict between the providers. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think that's unusual. No, it actually is not unusual for uh, physicians to be changing right after residency because you really don't know what you want. You don't really know how you're, um, you want your practice and how you're going to involve your patients um, until you find the right spot. So you've... You have your own business now with Three Rivers Dermatology. What are some of the highlights or the accomplishments that you've had in your career so far? Um, well, from the business, uh, I think it was about seven years ago when we realized we didn't know how to run a business. So I, I was in practice for over 10 years and making lots of mistakes. Uh, I think the best thing we ever did was hire a coach, a business coach, who could actually sit down and look at what we were doing wrong, uh, teach us how to do it correctly. And it's amazing when you do things correctly, how the business is a better place. Um, so that's the, the biggest thing that we ever did that I wish we would have done right away. When you're going to school to be a physician, are our business courses part of that? Or is that just kind of not the main focus when you're in school to be a physician? Uh, in school, there was none, absolutely no business at all. Um, some of the residency programs now do offer some uh, business education, uh, but it's very minimal. Because when you get out of school, you're thinking, all right, I'm going to go in and work in someone else's practice. And you're probably not thinking down the line 15, 20 years I'm going to own my own practice someday and I, I need to know how to run this. Yeah, most of the doctors that come out are not interested in starting their own practice, especially right away. Um, if you do get into some of the big hospitals, which many do now, uh, sometimes it's a little bit difficult to get away from them uh, because of some of the non-competes that are in place. Uh, I'm still hoping that some of the physicians here in, in our town decide to go out on their own. Uh, we really need some uh, true private practices again. How do you continue to grow and develop in your career and continue to grow your practice? Well, we try to be the best practice that we can be. Um, and that starts from when you call our telephone. You're never going to get a computer. You're going to talk to a real person. Um, we have focused a lot on uh, customer service. If anyone had ever stayed at a Ritz-Carlton, you will know that their customer service is top-notch. And what we try to do is take that model and put it in practice here uh, within a medical office, which you never see. So um, we really try to be patient-focused, try to do everything possible to make your visit smooth, easy, enjoyable. Um, and because of that, we have established a reputation of being different. Uh, and through word of mouth, uh, that's how we grow our practice. 
What challenges or setbacks you've, have you faced in your career? Um, the biggest challenge that we have now is really dealing with insurance companies. Um, we are in a situation where I cannot increase what I collect from insurance companies, despite the fact that the cost of supplies are going up, the cost of employees are going up, my health insurance is going up. So I can't increase what I get from them. It only goes down. Um, so if you've been to McDonald's recently, their Big Macs are now five bucks because they can increase their costs in order to offset the increase in their in their expenses at this time. So right now, that is the biggest challenge that, that I think we've ever had. Um, the biggest setback, uh, I think, was originally when I was started practice with another group. I had planned on being there forever and really look forward to it and was kind of uh, blindsided when things didn't work out. Disillusioned when when it's not the, the great place you think it was going to be to go to work. Correct. So how do you how do the doctors overcome the challenge of the insurance companies and and being able to charge? How is that resolved? Um, not very easily. Um, yeah. So what we have the ability to do in our office is we have the cosmetic side of things. So we can increase that where we can change costs based on what our expenses are um, in normal practice. The only way you're going to increase what your uh, income could be is see more patients. Um, and you can only see so many in a day. And we have, right. to, we have to go home. What do you enjoy most about your work? The best part of my job is taking somebody who is really sick, um, figuring out what's going on and making them better. Um, so someone may be coming in covered in psoriasis, which is a very challenging rash. And we can have medicines now where in four weeks and eight weeks, they could be all cleared up. Um, recently, we had a gentleman who had a very uh, unusual problem. He was having ulcers and all of this. And he'd actually been to University of Chicago. He'd been to Cleveland Clinic. And we took our time, we reviewed all the information and figured out that he had something that was very rare. Um, and when we did, and we were able to get the medicine, uh, within about three weeks, there was a very significant improvement in his condition. And it's been going on for over a year. So being able to do that and seeing those results, that's the most rewarding. As you said, it has to be very rewarding to discover something that nobody else has thought of, or you're looking at it from your angle. Because I know that when you go to Cleveland Clinic or when you go to Mayo, um, you know, every doctor is looking at things from their angle, and it, very seldom do they try to pull all the pieces together and say, oh, okay, I think this is what's going on with this person. And I think you're very correct. Um, the people who I've had the most challenge with, if once we collect records from all the places they've been to, that's when we can really start to narrow down what's going on. What advice would you give to someone just starting out in this field? Hmm. The So a new dermatologist who comes out, um, I would 
let them know that your education never stops. Um, in fact, when you come out, you think you know everything, but you really know very little because you just don't know the common sense stuff that you see in your office every day. Um, every day, every other day, I'm on Google looking up something for patients, whether it's medicines, whether it's uh, lab results, whether it's trying to put it all together. Uh, but that education goes on forever and ever. And that's, you, you can't forget that. So when you went to medical school, you weren't really sure which avenue you wanted to go down. What about other people that are out there that are just very early in their careers, just going to school? What kind of advice would you give them? Everybody needs to remember that your career that you're doing now doesn't have to be the career you end with. Uh, people change careers all the time. Uh, in my medical school class, uh, we had a 35-year-old teacher. Um, I had a 40-year-old gentleman who had been in business, uh, and they just came back for a, a different career. Uh, they did absolutely fabulous. They, they fit in great with the rest of the students. I just read an article yesterday that 39 is the average age where people change careers. So that fits right in with what you just said with a gentleman that was in your class that was 40. And it, it might seem like it's too late, but it's really not. I, I mean, that's very ambitious to say at 39 or 40 years old, I'm going to medical school. Absolutely. It, and I don't know if I would do it at this point because relearning how to learn would be difficult. Um, but if you're committed, uh, I think you would pick it up fairly quickly um, and do just great. And some people are just lifetime learners. Some people just um, that they they love that. They love the idea of going back to school. I've coached so many candidates that will say, maybe my only alternative is to go back and get this degree now. And they've spent the majority of their life in school. So I, that's they like school. They, they want to continue on and, and want to get that next major or that next certification. That's correct. Is there anything that you wish you would have done differently in your career path? The, I think it would have been nice if I realized I wanted to do dermatology earlier. Um, I think I would have done things a little bit differently in medical school. Um, it would have been nice to gotten out a little couple of years earlier. It, however, when I look back at my experience, being a board-certified internist, it makes my job as a dermatologist uh, it's not easier, but I, I do a better job at it because I can look at people uh, from a whole body as opposed to just looking at the skin. That makes sense. And that makes sense for the reason that you found the problem with the, the man before, because you were looking at the whole thing, you just weren't looking at it from one perspective as a dermatologist. I agree. I think that's that what that sets us apart or sets me apart from others. Very good. Is there anything that I should have asked you, any stories that came to mind as we were talking here or anything that you would want somebody who is 
looking to get into this field to know? Understand that if, as you're choosing a career in medicine, understand that that it is becoming very competitive. Um, so that when you are in school, you, you really need to work very hard in trying to get the best grades and um, just do the best you possibly can. In addition, depending upon what route you go, getting experience from or within that specialty can be very helpful. So doing some research uh, will help you or make you a better candidate when you're interviewing for residency positions. Um, the it, You're only gonna be in school for a short time. So you can put away those four years, work your tail off uh, to get to where you wanna be. We appreciate our featured guest for joining the Find Your Niche podcast. Now, more career advice and stories from your host, Laurie Cole. By now, we've all heard the catchphrases, quiet quitting, and then there was quiet firing, and now there's quiet hiring. What in the world is this all about? Well, you may have heard of it, but for those who haven't, it's when employers fill talent gaps by shifting employees around or hiring contractors or part-time workers. This has been going on in healthcare for a couple of years, at least with the travel nurses and the explosion in popularity of the travel nursing profession. The main reason employers are doing this is because of the talent shortage, but it can also be a great opportunity for you if you're looking for a new challenge in your current job. Think of quiet hiring as a great opportunity to speak with your boss about your current career path and see if there's a gap that you can fill in your organization. It could lead to more responsibility, the opportunity to learn more skills, or even earn more money. As always, we're here to help, so don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions or need any advice. Is there something you need some guidance on in terms of your career? Email to laurie.cole at ihire.com. Thanks for listening.